a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath. And this series, we're talking about men and how to help men. And I'm really very happy to have an amazing young man, younger than me, um, who is also a new dad too. So uh, welcome to the amazing Chris Taylor. Thank you, midwife Kath. I, I think new dad is absolutely correct. Young is really pushing it. Um, <laughs> but but I, I thank you for the compliment. And today we're talking about breastfeeding. Yeah. Sadly, something men can't do. Man boobs have many, many pluses, but <laughs> they don't produce the milk that a baby needs. But there are still plenty of ways partners can play a valuable role when it comes to feeding the newborn. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I want to today give you a very, a very easy approach to breastfeeding because I think some people make it, can make it, I'm talking about um, health professionals, can uh, sort of overcomplicate it. Well, let's assume men know even less about it than their partners who have maybe been collecting colostrum during the pregnancy and all of that. But for men listening, can you give us sort of a little bit of a 101 crash course, firstly, in how often a newborn baby needs to be fed? Okay. So a newborn baby in utero is fed consistently and constantly by the placenta. It's very busy and the baby is very demanding in those first few weeks because the baby wants to be fed all of a sudden. So colostrum in the breasts, you have colostrum from about the second trimester, but it's low in volume, but rich in all the goodness and immunity for a new baby. So a baby feeds a lot in those uh, first days and weeks. The way I approach it is to think about our body as women and the baby as primitive. Don't try and think too hard about it. Breastfeeding is what our body does. The first point I wanted to make was was just the astonishment I felt watching the first time the baby without any prompting, without any assistance. This is literally you know, minutes after it's been born, naturally gravitated and found its way towards the nipple. It was possibly the thing that blew my mind the most on the day it was born. We've talked about this on the previous episodes about what a day that is. But seeing a baby that without any coercion, just almost climb its way up, it's like something out of Attenborough, climb its way up towards the nipple and naturally latch on, did my head in. And it's sort of, you know, incontestable proof of the natural nature and just how smart babies are. And we we watch this in, you know, I I said out and we watch this in animal documentaries all the time about how, you know, newborns innately suckle. But to see a human do it is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And they want to live. I think that's what I like. (laughs) They do. So their sucking reflex is so strong, so much so that, you know, they can suck their thumb a lot in utero. And they also can suck their different parts of their hand. And some babies are born with a sucking blister on their hand because right. they've sucked so much in utero, which I think is amazing, that they're already, they already know this is wired into their brain. And again, you know, such a primitive response of survival, you know. 
I think it was a day or two after we gave birth to Rose, we had courses with the hospital staff in breastfeeding. It was it was it was regarded as that important. Can you yep. talk us through the, those very early feeds? As parents to be, all we sort of think about is labour and the birth. And breastfeeding is sort of all of the oh, the labour's done, and now I have to concentrate on on breastfeeding. So we're all different. And also we all have different nipples. Some women have small nipples, some women have large, some are inverted and some are flat. So these are some of the challenges that can happen in the first days, actually, of the baby's life and can just be just another pressure that, you know, young women and men need or little hurdles that they have to get over in those first few days. So it's about a few things. I wrap babies for all feeds in those first few weeks just because you know, once they've had some lovely skin to skin, but in in the breastfeeding, just to gently wrap so their arms are sort of nice and settled, sort of back in utero feeling, you know. And it's good to have a midwife there, but I really encourage new mums to actually do it themselves, like really just trust their body and, and trust the baby, exactly what you were saying, Chris, how they, how they really know what to do. It, it was really impressive to see just how, as with so many things regarding parenting, but mother's natural instinct is often pretty bang on. Oh, absolutely. And like a woman, I don't know, it's just the way we're engineered in our DNA. A, a woman knows how to cradle a baby correctly. And even if there's, you know, your technique's slightly off. Yeah, as you said, we, we had midwives supervise the first few feeds and, you know, say, no, hold the head more here or, you know, and, and yeah, so you're not going to be alone working it out. But gut instinct goes a long way even yep. before the midwife enters the room. The thing I teach is that if the baby's sucking and consistently sucking, it's on the nipple, okay? And it's that easy. If the baby takes one suck and then sort of falls off, it doesn't mean that it's not hungry. It doesn't mean that it's full. It means it's not attached to the breast. Because the sucking reflex is so strong, you've got to, you've got to trust that you can actually feel that nipple being sucked. It's, it's very strong sucking. You know, I was even surprised. It's like, whoa, this is strong when the baby is attached. Does it hurt or is it nice? No, it's lovely. Yeah, but it's not, it can hurt some women. And that's when you take the baby off and sort of start again. Look, I've done this, you know, 48 years or something and, and things have changed. And, you know, there's a different approach by different professionals. But I just think breastfeeding is so primitive and it's so important for us as women and parents and also for the baby too. Just give it a go and get help early. If you really feel that once you're home that things aren't happening and there's a lot of people, you know, in the community, the local government, the hospital, um, the maternal and child health um, service, lactation consultants, there's a lot of support around and get it early and, yep. you know, it helps getting it done early. Yeah, ne never be too shy to ask because I, th I think there are a lot of psychological impacts felt by mothers who, for whom breastfeeding's not going smoothly. You know, they start questioning their parenting skills and the, are they a good mother? All these awful thoughts start racing through the mind. And it, 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 of course, it means none of those things. It just means your technique is slightly off and you call for help. Yeah, that's right. And I think at two o'clock in the morning when you're sitting there by yourself trying to get a baby to attach the breast, you do feel, or you can feel quite down and, and anxious and you know, again, you know, breastfeeding is the best, obviously. But at the end of the day, we've got to feed the baby. 
the baby needs to be fed to live. And, you know, that's why you need help and that's why it's important that if you're struggling with baby attaching, there's nipple shields, there's, you know, so many different things and, and a different approach to holding the baby and attaching that, that can work. So let's break it down then. And, and let's firstly just begin with babies that are latching well and feeding well, just in terms of, to, to the extent routine exists at all in those very early days, and you know it, it probably doesn't. So how often, once you've got the baby home, should you be expecting to feed it? How many times a day? Well, there's no limit. You know, you can feed the baby X amount, but the thing is you don't want to feed the baby not enough or think, oh, well, the baby just fed three hours ago. It, it couldn't be wanting a feed or, or the baby just fed half an hour ago. It couldn't be hungry. I hear that every single day. So my words are respond to your baby. Respond if your baby's crying or looks a bit unsettled, feed the baby. You cannot over breastfeed the baby. You just cannot do that. But you can underfeed. Right. So move all that out of your head and respond to the baby because we, we want the baby to put on weight every day, every week, every month. The baby only gains weight because of calories from the breast. I think we were advised, like, aim for about six to eight feeds a day, but I think your note's really good. Err on the side of overfeeding. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's, there's no downside to overfeeding, whereas no. there's quite a considerable downside to underfeeding. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and babies can, you know, suck for an hour or two. That's okay. You know, it's really okay. If that's what they need, That's that's fine. And it's soothing for them. Sometimes it's not just about getting nutrients. Yep. It's just having, it's like a... hundred percent, Chris. Soothing mechanism. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And bonding. Each feeding session, should the mother be using both breasts? Yes. So, so the brain doesn't discriminate. So when the baby's sucking on the left side, the brain lets down the milk or hormone, oxytocin, down to both breasts. So we want to keep that milk moving. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, it's an hour or half an hour on one side and then you feed the other. Now, if I can just give a little bit of a crash course on what that looks like, because I wrap babies in the first weeks of life, so wrap the baby and feed on the left side to whatever, you know, how, how long the baby wants to suck, then give a bit of a pattern, a cuddle, unwrap the baby, then do some tummy time. From day one that you're home, tummy time is everything. It helps with feeding and it helps with sleeping. So tummy time and then when the baby's had a little bit of a, you know, it might be two minutes, it might be five minutes, then change the nappy, rewrap and then put on the other side. Now you can repeat that all day. Feed, mm. play, feed, play, feed, play. That's what you can do. We want to balance. You know, one sort of, school of thought is that you go feed, play, sleep. Now, feed, play, sleep doesn't work for that first six months. And I think we, t- we touched on this another time, Chris, that we, I feed babies to sleep for that first six months. So, you, you know, you don't want your baby to feed and then go to sleep straight away because it won't sleep. You need to get those calories in and that's why you unwrap tummy time, back time, rewrap. It's like us sitting in the chair and eating all day. You need to get up and do things. So that that's why tummy time is so important. The baby moves. It's good for its head and neck. 
It's good for uh, using a bit of energy, looking around, and then when you turn it on the ba- the baby on its back, it does the same, you know, looking and moving, and then you rewrap for feeding. We sometimes found the opposite, Kat. Rose often got what we called milk drunk. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and when you have your baby, you'll know what I mean. They literally look like they're pissed so on this. They've had so much. They're full. They just, they often fall asleep on the so booth. content, and that's what we want them to do, but, but um, I think. Some people are taught that the baby shouldn't be asleep on the breast. This is the best place for a baby to sleep. And and exactly what you're saying with Rose, what I do then is unwrap tummy time, change the nappy because it wakes them up a little bit mm. and then you can rewrap and put them on the other side and that's how that's how you give them more, more milk. That's how they gain more weight. And then because if you just do it for one side and put the baby down to sleep because it's asleep, 100% that baby will wake up. And that's when women think, oh, I haven't got enough milk or what's going wrong or, you know, the, something wrong with the baby. It's just you've got to feed a lot. We did exactly as you're suggesting, a um, bit of tummy time and nappy change between each bosom. And I found that was a really good role for the... <laughs> it's a great word, isn't it? I grew up in the Elizabethan age. I we still use did, the yeah. word bosom. I found that was a really good way for the for me as the partner to get involved. So I'd be in charge of the nappy change. Absolutely. Give mum a bit of a rest between yes. bosoms. Because <laughs> it's it can be quite, if I'm being honest, is isolating the word? Like it, it, it is the, it's the one area of parenthood you really, you know, you can't do anything. You unless, just feel helpless. Yeah. yeah. So you're trying to do something. And I, yeah, if, if you're that little tummy time and the nappy change between... So good. Boobs is, is a good way for dads to get involved. The other thing our um, early childhood nurse told us was to either massage the breast before feeding or squirt out a few meals into a hucker cup to ensure the baby's only getting the really good creamy milk with all the nutrients that it needs rather than the watery milk that's up front. Well, <laughs> to me, that, that's BS. Is it? Yep. So, First, oh, so, yeah, we were told don't, or, or if you've sort of – haven't fed for a couple of hours, that's quite watery, not good milk at the front of the boob. But how can you measure that? It's, you know, this is what confuses women. You know, milk is milk is milk. And first of all, if you had a broken ankle and it's swollen, would you massage it? It would hurt like hell. The same with breasts. Breasts get really sore. And our breast tissue is very sensitive. We've got a lot of information happening under there. You've got breast tissue, you've got milk ducts, you've got um, nerves, blood supply. And I've seen women with an abscess in their breast because they've been massaging so hard. The way I do it is you leave the girls alone. Just let them be. And they don't need to be massaged. The way See, I was about to give the men another job that they could be the massager. <laughs> That's different. Um, <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because, no, we were t- – and well, I must admit just from – Visual cues, the first squirts of breast milk did look more watery than what we called the good stuff further back. But how can you measure it? My approach is half primitive, half modern, you know, and the primitive part in me is just let it happen. Put your head in the middle of the desert and think what would you do? You're not going to squirt or, you know, do any, you're going to feed your baby and put the baby to the breast. So you don't think you need hucker cups or anything like that? No. Nope. This is exactly why everyone gets confused. Mm. The best way to lactate is to have the baby on the on the breast. 
I just feel, Chris, there's so many stuff that's being sold to, to hormonal women that it will help them breastfeeding. It just, it just doesn't. Hucka caps are great and, you know, they're all fine, but it doesn't make more milk and it doesn't help the baby attach to the breast. It doesn't do that. All it does is just get some milk out. Yeah. I've got a different approach to it because I, I just think there's, there's so much anxiety around feeding our babies and it really should be just calm and uncomplicated. Can we talk about burping? Why is it important to burp well, it's a not. child? Well, it's Isn't not. it? No. Oh, that's that's the one takeaway I think I remembered from all the classes was you must burp your child. But it's a good thing for men to hold the baby and walk around. I th- that's great. And if the baby burps, fine. If it does burp, nothing's going to happen. I've had people, I've done the consultation with people saying we've tried for two hours to burp the baby and it's still crying. Feed the baby. Nothing happens if a burp doesn't come up. Absolutely nothing. But a lot happens if you don't feed the baby a lot. Okay, does that make sense? Absolutely. But it's just so interesting because, yeah, everything, I think we were just sort of given a set of rules, some of which you and I agree with here, Kath, about the change the nappy between the breasts. But the other one was then always burp the baby yep. after. But I'm not the... saying don't hold the baby. It's just don't expect a burp. Right. And it's not a problem if you don't get a burp. No. How do you know when your baby's full? Well, it's a very good question because babies, they seem to be never full. So it's about time and it's about weight gain and it's about a routine, a very simple routine. And I think the best way to measure how a baby's full is by the weight gain. And babies, you know, we like them to put on 150 grams a week. Now, some babies put on 50 grams. That's fine. Some babies put on 300 grams. Sounds like Rose was in that, that bunch. So I only worry if a baby loses weight and consistently loses weight. Mm. That's a problem. Is, is the other telltale sign they're full is they'll, they'll just stop drinking? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I go into the, the complicated answer. When the baby first starts to suck, you can feel it really drawing the nipple out. Once it's been sucking and it feels full, that sucking becomes softer and they just might take their head and remove themselves from the breast. But it doesn't mean that feeding is over because that's where if the baby is sleepy, that's on one side. That's why I unwrap and do tummy time and get them alert again so they'll feed some more because it's all about weight gain. Now, for some mothers breastfeeding doesn't run smoothly. What what do you do if your baby doesn't latch? What are the what are the great tricks? Well, it's not always about the baby, it's about nipples. They need to be sticky out in nipples even if they look flash, but when you're cold, if your nipples stick out, that's what we want. So the baby needs something to attach to. So if it's flat and it's got nothing to attach to, well it's not going to be able to suck. Nipple shields are for some women, the difference between breastfeeding and not breastfeeding. So if you've got a flat nipple or an inverted nipple and the baby can't attach, you put this little very fine plastic um, nipple shield on and the baby will attach and suck and then pull the nipple out. Right. And you might find in 
in about five to six weeks, you'll find that you won't need the nipple shield because the baby will have pulled the, the nipple out through sucking. Is it kind of like training wheels on a bicycle? It's, <laughs> sort of. It's just a way to but cheat sh- them into learning how to, <laughs> how to latch. Not everyone needs them. If you've got a sore nipple or a cracked nipple, that's when I also use the nipple shield. Just because the breast milk is such, um, has such wonderful healing properties that with the breast milk pooling in the nipple shield, the nipple will heal in about 24 hours. Mm. It's really incredible. So, you know, I think the purest um, midwives who are teaching, you know, pure mid, um, breastfeeding, they, they don't like nipple shields and they don't encourage them. All my experience, I do. They yeah. can be really um, the difference. My partner didn't have a need for them, but we've certainly got friends who swore by them and, and, and did yep. think it was the difference. So, um, yeah, don't be shy about them, I reckon. Uh, other women, Kath, in those early days will get something called mastitis. Um, what is mastitis and, and how does it affect feeding if you get it? So mastitis is an infection in the breast, in the milk duct. So it's an ascending infection. Okay, so it comes from a cracked or damaged nipple and then it goes into the breast. Women who have mastitis get very sick. All the really severe flu-like symptoms, like a very bad headache, a rigors, which are the shivers and the shakes, and then they're, then they're cold and then they're hot, then they're cold and they're hot, and just feeling absolutely shocking. With that, systemic response is usually a red mark on the breast. And this this also goes to why you don't massage that because, oh, I've seen Mm. some really bad infections. With mastitis, you need to have some pain relief, whether it's paracetamol and some anti-inflammatory. Some women need to have some antibiotics. So go and see your GP or your obstetrician because there's a certain antibiotic that you need that will kill this infection because it's a staph infection. And that's also why I don't put creams or anything on the nipples. Wash your nipple and just put breast milk on them. With mastitis, if baby feeds just one side and doesn't feed the other side, you know, we've got to keep this milk going. It's still okay to feed if you have mastitis? You must feed. Yes. Yeah, you really must feed because we want to keep the milk going. And the women who I've looked after with mastitis, you know, having your mum or mother-in-law plus your partner... And usually partners, number one, you know, men are number one because you feel so ill, most women are in bed and it's a 24-hour sort of shocking, the worst headache. And so basically every couple of hours, the partner or your parents or whatever will bring the baby in for a breastfeed. So you must keep feeding both sides. Nothing will happen to the baby because you've got an infection. The baby's not going to catch anything and you will heal quicker if you've got... Um, the antibiotics and the paracetamol and, and an anti-inflammatory. And don't massage. Is it one of those things that you might ride out for 24 hours and it will fix itself? Or no. would you suggest going straight to your GP and no. getting, the, getting the antibiotics? 100%. It's not that long ago women died from mastitis. It's that bad. Pre-antibiotics women did die. We're very lucky now. Chris, when COVID sort of presented itself to us, it was interesting when postnatal women caught it because a lot of those symptoms they got were the same as mastitis. Right. Yeah, so we sort of had to really make sure, work out what it was, whether they were positive COVID or, you know, what, what was happening to their breasts. So 
that's a good way for men to have empathy if their partner does have mastitis. It's it's as bad as your bad dose of COVID. Oh yeah, that's what they're going yep. through. Yep, yep. I noted you you said um, one of the things you could try doing is putting breast milk on the breast. If, yep. If, I that rang a bell with me because I I recall breast milk being this magical potion that fixed so many things. Yep. Like if the baby had a rash, douse it in breast milk. It sticky was like eyes. this sticky yeah, eyes. Yeah, it, it's got all these properties. Oh yeah. So. It, you know, sure, the baby needs it to drink, but yeah, it's also this wonderful little one-stop shop medicine kit for most things that go wrong, I recall. Absolutely. So babies can get what's called a sticky eye and you wash it through with just some warm water and you put breast milk in the eye. Fantastic. Amazing. Sticky cord, you clean the cord, put some breast milk on it. Rashes, anything. We just were cleaning our kitchen, which had some mould. Breast milk we found worked way better than most cleaning products. <laughs> <laughs> or you had it's a an amazing up. product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it really is. You know, it's um, it really is amazing. Not everyone does succeed with breastfeeding. Um, for whatever reason, some babies just won't latch or lactation doesn't happen. The baby obviously does still need to eat. So if you cannot breastfeed and you've tried everything, is formula the next best option? Yes, but I wouldn't give up breastfeeding. So if you feel that there's not enough milk, still breastfeed, okay, still breastfeed and just top up with formula. It's important for women to continue to breastfeed and really everyone has a different different lactation. I have five sisters and we all did it differently. So it's about how the baby is reacting. If the baby is is still wide awake and crying after an hour feed, it needs something else. And right. formula is the best. There's nothing else. It's not Ratzak. It's just it's. there's nothing else to give the baby. They really are only two options, breast milk or formula. Absolutely. And nothing else. And to your point, Chris, keep the breastfeeding going. Have the baby on the breast. It does wonders for women knowing that they have actually breastfed and then top up with formula. So it's perfectly fine to alternate between breast milk and formula? Yes, but always breastfeed first. If, if you can only use formula, if there's no breast milk involved, does form, can mothers be confident and partners be confident that formula gives all the same nutrients that a baby needs? Except the immunity that breast milk gives. So breast milk contains antibodies, which uh, means that the babies who are breastfed have this passive immunity um, from the mum. And even though breast milk, it's very pale. Can you remember saying that, Chris? Very pale, sort of bluish colour after the colostrum is gone. So mm. the colostrum is really rich gold colour and in a small amount in volume. But once the milk has come in, it really is like, do you know that skinny milk colour? Do you know what I mean? That sort of bluish Skin milk, white? sort of, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's got all the calories and the immunity. But in those first, you know, six to ten weeks of breastfeeding, the breast milk certainly covers the immunity for the diseases for the babies and infections. That's why if you feel that you don't have enough milk, giving the baby some breast milk and then topping up with formula to give the baby some calories, that's that's sort of the best option. Can we talk about breast pumps? Because we found breast pumps really useful if my partner was going out for the day and I was left alone with the bub on bottle feeding duties. Again, it brought liberation to the mum so she can get on and do other things with her life, but it brings the dad in on feeding, which he's otherwise not part of. So 
if my wife pumped, you know, even if it was half a bottle, one bottle in the morning, that then I was in charge of feeding. For, Fantastic. It was yep. really good. And that's when it's it, it's absolutely great. And and as you know, I do the the late bath or bath bottle in bed at ten o'clock. And if you if the if your partner can pump first thing in the morning, like you say, because overnight when we're in in darkness, our lactation really sort of picks up. So you you tend to be feel fuller in the morning. And so a bottle at night or, you know, once if your partner's going out or as I do the BBB, the bath bottle in bed, that one bottle is fantastic. Now, there is something that everyone needs to know. If you don't give a baby a bottle within the first three to four weeks, they will not take a bottle for the rest of their... Right. That's really important intel. So you've got to get to it early. When you come home, especially with women working and, you know, like going out and a, a bottle a day or two, whatever you want to do, the baby will continue to be able to, to have a bottle when they need it. If you don't, they won't have anything other than, so they're about 10 months, they can have a cup. But that's a long time for some women. How old was Rose when you gave her a bottle? First time, oh, I don't know, four weeks maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, younger probably. No, yep. what am I talking about? Two weeks. Yeah, yeah. 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 We don't use it that often, but what I'm hearing from you is that even if the mum's not planning to go out or anything, it's not a bad habit to get into to oh, pump some and totally. to just train the baby on the bottle for those weeks or months down the track when it will need Absolutely. The yeah. Men have a really important role in feeding and bonding. And again, that's why I do and promote the bath, bottle and bed, because I, I think if guys can do that, it is just a wonderful bond you can have with your baby and also like handling the baby because it always was women's business. You know, that's what we we did. But now what I see is men doing everything too. And I love that. I think it's so important for men. It's also important for women too, to have that bit of an emotional break. Absolutely second that motion because it's, you know, we've touched on this a bit, but yeah, you do feel a bit excluded sometimes. And I I kind of wish I could bottle feed more often. Yes. It's certainly not a daily thing in our house. It's sort of more, oh, once a fortnight maybe. But you're absolutely right. It's the the closest a partner can ever really get to that beautiful sensation of feeding the child and a great bonding experience and just a lovely thing to do. And I don't know about your baby, but Rose always, she keeps her eyes open when she bottle feeds and she just looks at me I in know. the eye. I know. I was just about the to say that. The eye contact's amazing. But then not only the look in the eye, but then the smile and they smile. hold on to the teat and they just flutter, flutter the teat and they look up at you. And that that look of love, oh my gosh, isn't it just amazing, Chris? It's indelible. You, you'll oh. never forget it. Uh, Kath, thanks as always for being the metaphorical wet nurse to the <laughs> clueless dads and dads-to-be of Australia. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at the chaos and the joy of living with a tiny new baby in your previously tidy home. So please join (laughs) us then on the next episode of... Birth Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath and Chris Taylor. This has been Birth Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth and music by Matt Nikolich.